This is BYU Sports Nation, brought to you by the BYU Store, simulcast on BYU-TV and BYU-Radio. Now, from Studio B, here's Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan. BYU Sports Nation is live, your day-to-day play-by-play in Studio B, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Tuesday, April 28th, wherever and however you have chosen to connect with us, Welcome, friends. I'm Spencer Linton, teamed up with the man who is demanding a recount in the Fox College Hoops Ultimate Fan Bracket Championship, Jerem Jordan. I'm not, but the, uh, the Rock is. Uh, they said, hey, at uh, CBB on Fox, the math doesn't check out here. A lot of numbers here. We had 171,722 total votes through the Final Four, ended with a total of 231,523. That comes out to... 59,801 in the championship, exactly half of 119,602, which was your final vote count. That's a dead even tie. Why was UNC the winner? Well, that was a lot of numbers. Way too many numbers. Uh, Sirius XM. Oh, BYU is buying vote. Now now that just drama with these Twitter polls. You know what I miss? Drama in actual games. (laughs) That's what I actually miss. But, uh, yeah, there's some fans going, hey, wait a minute. So... We'll, we'll see if uh, there's anything to be had there. It is interesting that when you do the math that was put out by Fox, it comes as a dead-even tie. I wonder yeah. how specific and exact that math is. Because I have I, not I, wondered. At this point, well, because it's a thing now, I'd like to hear a response from Fox. And they say, hey, you know what, North Carolina. College basketball and Fox has had released a statement. Two more votes or whatever. Fan. But it's interesting, you know, and credit BYU fans for having the intensity and the desire to figure it all out because they did not release, and I think what drove this is they did not release a percentage. Typically they'd say, hey, oh, North Carolina beat Michigan 50.1% to 49.9%. Mm. They didn't put those numbers out there this time, which kind of started the whole conversation. Yeah, I, I see why people care about it. I do not care as much about <laughs> it. I am over it. Uh, it was a fun run. It was great to get to the championship game. Um, it's it's all good. Yeah. It, amazing showing by BYU fans. The Rocks video was so cool. Like, awesome. Great. I vote for today's show lineup. Okay? All right, let's do it. Tyson, getting paid to do so. Tyson Williams, one of the newest members of the Baltimore Ravens on the madness of last Saturday's NFL draft and what it's like to receive that call. Tyson wore number five, but who was the best to wear number five ever at BYU? A social media star and BYU women's basketball star Shaylee Gonzalez has gone viral again. Plus, our Top 5 Tuesday features the top five plays from three BYU football NFL signees. That said, bring on today's BYUSN headlines. Pro Football Network has Matt Bushman projected as the 59th pick in the 2021 mock NFL draft to the Dallas Cowboys. Bushman had a career-high 688 receiving yards and four touchdowns on 47 catches last season. That would be fun to have Matt Bushman on the Cowboys. Perhaps uh, he will be next year. We'll see. The NCAA's Football Oversight Committee has suggested a six-week period before returning to play, as first reported by friend of the program, Stadium Sports, Brett McMurphy. If this period is approved by the NCAA COVID-19 panel, student-athletes would not report before July 20th with the season beginning essentially six weeks later on August 29th. The article also states that if athletes aren't able to report by late July, the season will likely not begin on time. So we kind of have a timetable of 
what has to happen for everything to go as originally planned. Yeah, and we're getting too close to it being actually starting on time. I don't anticipate it'll start on time. My guess is just, it's all a guess. Now, what's interesting is there are high-ranking officials at Oregon and East Carolina and other universities that are coming out and saying, we're planning on having in-person classes in the fall. Planning. It's just a guess. It's interesting, isn't it? It's it's all just a guess. BYU's playing at least one ranked team in football this fall, if there's a season. That according to Stuart Mandel of The Athletic, who has Minnesota in his post-spring top 25 without spring football. The Gophers are number 17 on his list. Boise State just missed the list. So not not shocking that there's only one, but a little bit. I thought there'd be a, a couple of ranked teams there, but on this list, one ranked team. Another Utah or Michigan State, something Missouri. Utah lost way too much to deserve to be top 25 by anybody. They could be good again, but they're crazy consistent. But all these polls are based off of, do you return the quarterback, and how many returning starters do you return? That's basically what it is. So based on that, is the schedule too hard? Yeah. You're playing six power fives, four in a row, three on the road. Yeah. <laughs> History shows it's too hard. All rise and shout. It's time for What's Trending, presented by Trio Senior Living. You're talking about it, and so are we. It's What's Trending on BYU Sports Nation. BYU football had no draft picks for the first time since 2015, but three players signed undrafted free agent deals. Time to panic? I don't think so, especially when you consider what BYU could potentially do and put forth in the 2021 NFL draft. Jerem, what's the chance BYU football has more than one player taken in next year's NFL draft. Pretty good. I tweeted, uh, I think, Friday that, hey, this Bureau is not likely going to have a pick here, but next year, hey, they could have multiple. So let's look at next year. So obviously seniors in the mix, Matt Bushman, we just mentioned in the headlines, Kairos Tonga potentially, although he's got to figure out his his uh, weight. He's got to get down. He's got to be a three-down lineman, right? No one's going to bring him in to be a two-down lineman, um, in my opinion, as a draft pick. He could be a draft pick. And then Brady Christensen's interesting. He would have to come out early, but he totally could. He is absolutely on uh, draft boards. He was a top 100 guy from PFF. He's one of the top, what, 10 linemen in college football last year, according to PFF. He technically, technically could have come out after this year because the rule is three years out of high school. He went on a mission. He's been out of high school four years. We got Halo spot shadows. It's amazing. I love it. Good production value. Uh, Brady Christensen, if he left after this year, assuming that he has a similar season where he continues to improve, is a definite draft pick, right? If he's like, if he's good enough to leave early, he's going to come out and be drafted. That makes sense, right? Shannon Herring and Tristan Hodge are interesting seniors as well. What about we'll, what about we'll a guy see. like James Empey? James Empey in the same category. He's a junior. He'd have to come out early. He was highly rated, like Brady Christensen. So, I believe that BYU will get multiple draft picks next year. I don't know if it's going to be like three or four, but I think BYU, it's realistic to think that BYU could have two. Well, that statement and projection carries significant weight, especially when you consider our stat of the day. It's the BYU Sports Nation stat of the day. The last time BYU had multiple players drafted was 11 years ago in 2009. It's been a while since BYU has been represented by more than one guy. And it's been nice to see BYU guys last and make an impact. I mean, they've been the guys that are in the league have been influential. Right. But it's been a while since BYU's had multiple guys. 2009. Dennis that, Pitta was the highest draft pick that year. No, no, no. That's from the 08 team. So it's Austin Collier. Oh, and Kratz, right. Puna. So Harvey Unga was taken in the supplemental draft, wasn't he? 
in yeah. 2009. So I yeah. guess that technically does not count. Doesn't really count. Okay. Yeah, yeah it was Kali and Vakapuna. Okay, and following that, Pitta, right? Um, Who? <laughs> stop it. It's been a while. It's been a while. I I don't know. I I need to find out more about Brady Christensen uh, before I'm ready to bet that he goes all in. But it's all going to be on the feedback he gets, right? Pro Football Focus obviously loves Brady Christensen. Pro Football Focus loved Austin Lee. We haven't heard any news about Austin Lee. Yeah, that's weird. NFLDraftBlitz.com has Christensen as the seventh highest rated tackle in the 2022 draft. So looking, not 21, 22. Two years away. Yeah, and I don't, I'd never heard of that website before. But um, if, if he continues to develop, and, and, and who's, who's, who's validating this idea? It's PFF and it's Jeff Grimes. Where did Jeff Grimes coach before Brigham? LSU. Like he knows what makes a good lineman. And Auburn for that matter. And he, yeah, and he thinks that Brady Christensen is an NFL tackle. No question Matt Bushman is an NFL tight end. He's going to get drafted. Bushman he's, will be drafted. He's like the one for sure. Kyrus should be a for sure guy, but he's not. Will Kyrus put gotta, in the work? He's got to figure out the weight. So here's the thing that is disconcerting. This whole pandemic situation is not ideal for a guy like Kyrus Tonga. Okay? Well, it's not ideal for all of us with weight. It's not just Kyrus. <laughs> it's not pick on Kyrus. We're doubling down there. Um, so, yeah, can, can he become the guy that can stay on the field longer? He's no question he can make he makes a huge impact when he's on the field, but can he, he stay on the field? He has a multi million dollar decision. Do it! You, you Kyrus, you can make millions of dollars. Let's go. Figure it Do out. It. So for me, it's if Brady Christensen doesn't come out, then it then it becomes a question of then it's a little tricky. Kyrus Tonga. Yeah. He he's the chance that BYU has yeah. multiple draft picks. And I'm interested to see if James Empey and Shannon Herring and or Tristan Hodge develop in a way where maybe they're NFL guys. Topic two, BYU still has a scholarship or two available, uh, but with the addition of Purdue transfer Matt Harms, how does your starting five look for BYU Hoops next year? Yes, let's switch it up with basketball. Okay, I'll give you my starting five right now, and here's where things get complicated with the addition of Matt Harms. What do you do with Gavin Baxter? who, by the way, just blew a year of uh, redshirt potential and then only, only to have the season cut short. Uh, because right now I think it's Richard Harward, who I know Mark Pope loves and is really physical inside at the five. Matt Harms could play the four and five. Connor Harding will be a starter. It's so, so weird but true to put a 7-3 guy at the power forward. Like in 86, we would have been like, no, 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 he's a center. But – Whatever. He can shoot it. it. It don't matter. Four or five. Whatever. Alex Barcelo will be the point guard. The biggest question mark for me, aside from what to do with Gavin Baxter, is who plays the two based entirely on who played last year and who I think Mark Pope trusts and the fact that BYU needs another shooter on the floor with so much size. I'd go with one of the best, if not the best, remaining three-point shooter on the team, and that is Trevin Nell. I don't know that Trevenell is going to be the starter. I think uh, there's a major TBD there. I, he will play, but BYU needs another ball handler. I don't look at Trevenell as a ball handler. I look at him as a yeah. come-off-the-screen shooter, sure. get it done that way. Yeah. BYU needs a guy that can come in and handle pressure, somebody besides Alex Barcelo. Connor Harding's good enough to kind of work in the Jake Toulson role, and, and he can handle the rock, but BYU needs another significant ball handler, which is why they're attacking the transfer portal so hard right now, yes. looking for another guard. Uh, Nell is the guy right now. If no changes happen for me, then he's the guy that I would go with because he's a shooter. 
and because Mark Pope has trusted him to play before, unless somebody like Hunter Erickson or Spencer Johnson can emerge and prove that they can handle the ball and outplay and outshoot a guy like Trevin Nell. Yeah, I'm not sure on that other spot. And two or three, it doesn't matter. Like, if Connor Harding's the two, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, to me, that's the biggest question mark. I, I agree with the starting lineup, um, except that position. I just don't know who it is. Is it, like, can Gideon George handle the ball well at 6'6", six, six, or is he more of, like, a three-ish, four-ish? I, I don't know. Is Wyatt Lowell the guy? He's 6'10". Um, like, yeah, I, I don't know. Is Spencer Johnson the guy? Spencer Johnson or Wyatt Lowell feel like the most ready in terms of JC or, and or redshirt, like coming in, uh, need to have an impact right away kind of situation. Trevin Nell could, uh, could be the guy. Uh, uh, absolutely. I, I don't know. That, that, spot's, that battle for that other starting spot is going to be interesting. Also in the post, they could have all kinds of lineups. Like Matt Harms seems like a logical choice to start because he's a senior, because he played with Purdue in the Big Ten. He's seven three. Like been to the Elite Eight and the Sweet Sixteen. That makes sense. And yeah, one of those he was redshirting, but one of those he was on the team, right? Um, playing. Richard Harward is a back to the back scorer, right? Colby Lee is a guy that is probably the odd man out with the big man, despite the production he had this year. Um, Gavin Baxter could absolutely start. So it depends what you want from that lineup. Like, is BYU going to run, uh, you know, a lot of action into Harms on the post? I would think that Harward is that guy when he's in. And I would think that Harward and Lee won't play a lot together because I think it's one or the other in terms of we're going to go inside to you. Maybe is it Harms pick and pop guy? Is he roll and get into a situation where he's catching deep and sealing off his guy? I think BYU has all kinds of lineups there. Is Gideon George a guy that will at times post up, right? I'm not exactly sure. But the biggest question mark still remains is, yes, the ball handler, the other guy. you got to have one. I think Harding can handle it. I think Alex Barcelo can handle it. And then it's kind of TBD with a lot of those guards, albeit I'm excited to watch that situation. Yes, the complication is fun with the big men, and I don't think that the coaches are going to have a hard time figuring out how to rotate Colby Lee and Gavin Baxter and Richard Harward and Matt Harms. And those are the four big guys. Do not confuse Wyatt Lowell just because he's 6'10 as a big guy. He shoots it. He's an outside guy. He's not a front-court player. I mean, he can be a stretch four, but imagine that he's 6'7, and that will make more sense in kind of how he's used. He just happens to be a 6'10 dude who shoots. He's not a back-to-the-basket scorer, elite rebounder. And here's the thing, why there's so much emphasis on this other ball handler. Who's the backup point guard? Blaze Neald just transferred to Utah Valley University, and Jesse Wade is the guy that could be it if he were healthy and if he's going to play. We still don't know the finality associated with Jesse Wade. Like His knee has been so messed up. Hopefully he can play. If he doesn't, then that's a second scholarship available, and... The way that BYU is pursuing grad transfers, it would appear that perhaps that's something they can look at. Slash, you can always get good guys, and then you figure it out on your roster. And there's an odd man out in that situation, and we'll see if there's a guy like that. But yeah. you just gather talent and go from there. It's BYU am- needs an immediate player, and they need a sit-out player, yes. I think. It's amazing to see all of these players in the transfer portal with their top 10s and top 5s and BYU consistently being in there. It's, it's <laughs> nice, right? And it's awesome when you land one. Like, if BYU never landed one, I wouldn't care. But they landed harms. So this means they can actually get guys. Because being in the top 5, it's like, have you, did you ever feel in high school when the girl you liked uh, d- started dating someone else that you felt like consolation in that victory of being in the final thing. No, you didn't. You're just like, oh man, I lost. So hopefully Bury can continue to win with guys. I don't know what that feeling was like, Jerem. Nice. <laughs>
<laughs> nice. kid. Our question of the day, what does your BYU basketball starting five in 2020-2021 look like right now? Let's go to Voice of the Nation. This is the Voice of the Nation on BYU Sports Nation. First response in on Facebook from April Chessman Kerstich. Matt Harms, Gavin Baxter, Alex Barcelo, Connor Harding, Gideon George. Great shooting, but more importantly, defense and rebounding, which is what BYU needed to improve on this past year. Yeah, what that's is an, Gideon it, George's handle yeah, like? Yeah, that's a good question. By the way, Brett McMurphy reporting that in college football, Oregon and Utah State have a three-game deal. 27 and 29 in Eugene and 28 in Logan. What year was it? Oh, one, I think. Joey Harrington and Oregon were ranked fifth and played at Utah State. I went and hung out with some friends who were going to Utah State and watched that game. It was tied going into the fourth quarter. Oregon ran away with it. But Oregon going to Logan. Hey, good for the Aggies in, getting uh, Oregon to go to 28. Logan. How about that? That's impressive. Okay, coming up, the best to wear at num- numero five. Uh, speaking of number fives, Tyson Williams, one of the newest members of the Baltimore Ravens, will join us next. What was that crazy NFL draft Saturday like? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. This Friday, we explore the amazing 1983 BYU football season in a new BYU Sports Nation special, The Reviewables. Steve Young joins the program Friday, noon Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. I am Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. Our first guest of the day is now a member of the NFL's Baltimore Ravens. Former BYU running back Tyson Williams joins us on the Deseret First Credit Union Hotline. Tyson, the Ravens, man. Congratulations. What do you think of your fit in Baltimore? Thank you, thank you, thank you. And uh, it's a great fit. I mean, it's a team that likes to run the ball, and so uh, I think it'll be. I think it'll be a great fit. Would you say you're down with Big Trust? Oh yeah, most definitely, most definitely, most definitely. Big Trust all the way. <laughs> <laughs> That's this phrase that the Ravens used last year. It's like, how would you explain that phrase, Tyson? Now that you're a Raven. Uh, Big Trust. I mean, I guess it's just like having trust in each other. You know what I'm saying? Trust in, in, in what they're doing and. The coaches is all the way around, so yeah, I feel like the, the more you trust your teammates, the more things uh, that you can accomplish. What was Saturday like for you in the madness of the NFL draft and working out uh, free agent deals and all that? So, just walk us through what that day was like for you. Oh man, it was uh, it was nerve wracking. So I, I thought like I was just trying to be hopeful. Um, well, I was being hopeful. Um, that, like anything could happen. Most most certainly, just trying to like thinking, okay, what what could happen if I um probably able to get drafted and stuff like that and then just kind of wait until all that cleared up um which it didn't happen and then after the draft well probably like the sixth or seventh round i got a call from uh, the ravens just saying from my agent saying the ravens were still interested and uh i was like okay okay that's a good sign that's a good sign and then um once everything just kind of cleared up um yeah just kind of gave him a call and we just like yeah i mean um we're interested as well and um just kind of worked out things um after that were there other suitors? Um, no, there weren't. Um, I think there's a lot of people who I, I talked to teams like um, throughout the draft process, but um, those the Ravens were the only team to uh, to offer um, a contract. So it made it an e- easy decision, certainly. Um, what? How did you feel about it specifically being the Ravens? Because I imagine since there was one suitor, you would have taken it no matter who it was. But the fact that yep. it's one of the most stable organizations in the league, 
a team that was the top seed in the in its conference last year going into the playoffs, uh, that all helps too, right? Yeah, yeah, that helps a lot. Helps a lot. So I mean, you kind of go know what you're going to get into. Um, a great organization, great franchise. So I think that's pretty much all you can ask. No question, Tyson Williams with us on BYU Sports Nation. Maybe most importantly, Tyson, what does your number one fan, your mom Natasha, think about all of this? Oh yeah, she was just she was just happy. She was just happy. She was just happy. Um, just like I said, just seeing how everything played out. Um, nonetheless, I think she was just happy just to see me um, get an opportunity. Walk us through what the plan is now, because normally you'd be showing up to rookie mini camp and getting familiar and getting to know the playbook a little bit. But here you are in a coronavirus situation where I, I imagine you're not going to the facility quite yet. You're kind of on standby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's correct. Uh, we're just kind of on standby right now. Just wait till everything clears up. You know, different states are, are doing different things. So just kind of when it kind of opens up for everyone, then we'll be able to move forward. But uh, everything pretty much right now is just online. Um, just have to meet with the coaches, um, doing virtual meetings and, and things like that. So um, good thing we have uh, technology. We'll, oh, be, we'll, be okay. we'll be fine. Yeah, good thing, man. Uh, so it's Zoom calls with coaches you mentioned. Are they sending you the playbook? Are they encouraging specific physical activity? What what else is involved here? Uh, just right now, just um, still have to take care of some more leg things, just like getting the physical done and things like that. But uh, I mean, it's all relatively because I think they—I they, don't know if they—they uh, they were in yesterday. My agent was telling me so. Everything is just still kind of fresh, still kind of new, getting everything getting everything worked out. So. Um, it'll probably be like the next coming days. We'll have everything figured out. Tyson, how are you feeling physically in your recovery from the knee injury and, and everything? Essentially, how close to 100% do you feel? I feel good. I feel good. My knee is good. I think the only thing is, like, I just need to continue just to add the muscle mass back on. So um, I've just been, getting, been trying to work out and, and do things necessary that I need to do. But, um yeah, I think that's that's pretty much been that's been about it. Been trying to run hills and things like that, just doing whatever I need to do and uh, not taking any days off because I really can't afford to. Coming out of high school, you were a four-star recruit. You're going to North Carolina. You end up at South Carolina BYU. You have a, a you know a major knee injury. When did getting to the NFL and to a certain degree, obviously you want to make it and play and be successful, but to a certain degree, this is a notable accomplishment, right? The fact that a team wants to sign you and has signed you. Um, so when, at what age uh, was this maybe a goal for you? Uh, I can't remember what age. I know I was probably like in elementary school. I just remember looking at uh, it was an NFL game, um, and I was just thinking to myself, like, I'll, I'll be here one day, you know. And uh, just from that point on, I just tried to really. Only thing I used to just say to myself, like, just try to be the best on the field. If you can be the best on the field, then I think you got a pretty good chance. So uh, that just was always my mentality growing up, um, just trying to be the best and, and just continuing to put the work in there. Uh, you know, with, with, with that being said, you know, you, you do those things, I think you have a, a pretty good chance. So I could just live with it. Were you the best on the field when you were little? Uh, it depends on what age we're talking. It depends <laughs> on what age we're talking. Uh, I think probably like when I got to like middle school, sixth, seventh grade, I would probably say that. But in my some of my earlier years, um, there were some other guys who I would say like are definitely a little bit better than me. And then we've chatted about this before, but in basketball, didn't didn't you play with John Morant? And I guess Zion Williamson is from South Carolina as well. Yep, uh, I, I play. I didn't play against him like um, 
like an organized game. It was kind of, well, it kind of was. It was like uh, the juniors versus the uh, freshmen, and we had like a little tournament, and uh, it was like the seniors versus sophomores, and that's when I played. That's when I was, I was playing playing against him, and uh, yeah, he's he's always been special. Yeah, well, I'd like uh, to see John Morant try and tackle you. Okay, I, are you saying? You're oh playing? yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Let's see that. So, yeah, yeah. Both to have an advantage in our sport. <laughs> so did you play with both Zion and Ja, or was it mostly just Ja? No, it was Ja, because Ja went to my high school. And so uh, Zion, I never played with Zion. Uh, some some people from uh, my hometown did, you know, being that they play AAU and stuff like that. But, um, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't get to play against him. He'd be all right in football, too, right? Yeah, yeah, he'd be pretty good. He'd be pretty good. <laughs> right Where would you put, like, right like, would he be a tight end? Would he be a tackle? Like, how would you use Zion? Um, I think for me, I'd probably have to say tight end. Um, guy's a freak, man, and being able to jump and move like that, being that big, I would definitely have to do a tight end. Hey, somebody that can block for you—that's for sure. Uh, while yep. we're while we're talking about notable names, uh, Mark Ingram, Lamar Jackson—they're now your teammates. The Ravens drafted J.K. Dobbins as well. Uh, yep. How do you plan to keep an even keel uh, when you walk into the locker room and, and you see guys like that? Uh, you just be yourself. Yeah, you just be yourself. You know what I mean? And, um, that kind of just takes care of everything, you know. So I've, I've tried. I've been fine up until this point, and I just continue to continue to be myself and um, get to working. I'm pretty sure all, all of us we had that we had that in common. Obviously, you want to prove that you are a running back that can make it in the NFL. But uh, what we've noticed is a lot of guys have to make their name for themselves on special teams. So how do you feel about the prospect of being a guy on special teams? Uh, Just whatever they ask me to do, um, I'll get it done. My first week at BYU, I was playing special teams. um, Well, it was like the first couple weeks um, in training camp. They had me like on the first first line of kick returns. You know what I mean? And – I mean, I wasn't going to go up to anybody and be like, I mean, I'm not playing it. You know, if the coaches ask you to do something, you get it done. So that's always been my mentality. Hey, Tyson Williams, the gunner. I'm I'm okay with that too. Yep. Congratulations again, man. Uh, can't wait to watch you uh, work your way through Baltimore Ravens camp and uh, well done on a lot of hard yes. work. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you. You got a Tyson Williams on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline. Deseret First, you know why we show how. I'm excited to see how he gets a chance because he's an undrafted free agent. So J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram, those are the top two running backs you'd think, right? Then Gus Edwards and Justice Hill are on the roster as well. Those are the guys he's fighting with, right, among maybe a couple others. So to uh, at least make the practice squad would be notable, and then there are always injuries to get a chance, right? Most NFL teams carry, what, three running backs going into game day, so – uh, maybe four, depending on the team. So that that'd be good. This this is a stable organization. It's not like he's going to your Bengals. So that this hey, is hey, awesome. Hey, man. hey, the Bengals had an A minus of a draft according to Sports Illustrated. <laughs> is Sports Illustrated still a credible source? <laughs> Have you seen what's ESPN happened with them? ESPN gave him an, a B plus or an A minus. Okay. Yes, yes, because the grades immediately after the draft matter. <laughs> What'd your Seahawks get, okay? How about in five? I don't know or care. Why don't you go review that before you give my Bengals a hard time, okay? You're questioning the stability of the Bengals. Wow. (laughs) Coming up. They still exist, don't they? (laughs) Barely. Basketball star Shaylee Gonzalez and her recovery from an ACL tear in social media fame. Plus, uh, we just talked to Tyson Williams, who repped the number five well, but who was the best to ever wear that nickel special in Provo? This is BYU Sports Nation. 
Listen to BYU Sports Nation on demand by downloading the podcast. Just Google BYU Sports Nation podcast, and don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Welcome back to the studio, Bizzle. Spencer Linton and Jerem Jordan here with your day-to-day BYU Sports play-by-play. If you miss anything in the first 31 minutes, make it 32. Fear not, we're going to recap it with the whip. It's time for the Cougar Whip Around Football. Pro Football Network has Matt Bushman projected as the 59th pick in the 2021 mock NFL draft to the Dallas Cowboys. That'd be the end of the second round. Bushman had a career-high 688 receiving yards and four touchdowns on 47 catches last season. What's the chance BYU has multiple draft picks, including Matt Bushman, next season? If you missed that combo, download the podcast. The NCAA's Football Oversight Committee has suggested a six-week period before returning to actual play, as first reported by Brett McMurphy of Stadium Sports. If this period is approved by the NCAA COVID-19 panel, student-athletes would not report and before July 20th, with the season beginning six weeks later on August 29th. The article also states that if athletes are not able to report by late July, the season will likely not begin on time. Let's hope they do because BYU's first game is Utah, and it'd be nice to play that, right? And not not play right now. BYU's playing at least one ranked team in football this fall. It's not Utah. That according to Stuart Mandel of The Athletic, who has Minnesota in his post-spring top 25 without spring football. Gophers are number 17 on his list. Boise State just missed the list. We're getting to the point where we're about to go heavy on the schedule over the summer and rank games from toughest to easiest. And And then hope that we actually play them. There's just this massive asterisk over everything we do relative to the future of collegiate athletics. We just don't know. Stay like, home, uh, flatten the curve, people. But when we all come back out, then what? That's uh, like the, that part is happening and happened quite a bit. Like the next part is what we don't know is okay. When everyone else creeps out slowly, then what? Then what? We don't know. Here's to a vaccine. <laughs> that takes 12 to 18 months, typically. I know it's going to be forever. Time for the best to wear it. Who is the best athlete to wear each number at BYU? We started at zero. Now we're all the way up to number five. Jerem, who rocked five the best? Only been five days. Uh, number five, Wally Joyner, baseball. I mean, this guy was awesome. Uh, first baseman, 6'1", 185 from Decatur, Georgia. Played at BYU from 81 to 83. He batted 419 and uh, hit 43 homers at BYU. Second team All-American in 83, where BYU at one point during the season was ranked number one. I'm telling you. Like, 81 to 84 was the greatest period for BYU athletics ever, and they'll never top it. I'm sorry. They'll never top it. Your baseball team was number one. Your football golf, team was number one. Golf national championship as well in 81. Uh, you know, men's basketball elite eight. I mean, it was amazing. You had Ed Stone. Yes. Triple crown in 84. Yeah. He helped the 83 team. Uh, drafted third round in 83 by the Angels where he played forever. He played 18 years in the show. 16 years. 16 years. Uh all-star in 86, played in the World Series in 98, 2,000-plus hits, 200-plus homers, 2,000-plus MLB games. Uh, he He's in the conversation for best major league player from BYU. I would argue that Jack Morris is probably the best player from BYU. Ever. Isn't he in the Hall of Fame? Yeah. So he's got to be the guy. Wally Joyner, great conversation uh, there as well. He was inducted in the West Coast Conference uh, Hall of Honor this year. Which is awesome, but also funny because he never played. He never played. Played in the WAC. A West Coast Conference game. Hey, there are some of you out there saying, well, hey, didn't uh, 
Mr. Triple Double at Big Russia 5, Kyle Collinsworth, wearing number five. Yeah. Yes, he did. Absolutely. An NCAA record 12 triple doubles. He's all over the BYU basketball all-time records list. Great rebounder, great passer. Still great trying to make second. it as a professional yeah. basketball yeah. player. He's playing in the G League with the Jazz franchise, uh, the Utah Stars. And he's a guy that played in the NBA, albeit the Mavericks were tanking that season. Yeah, but 30, it's been fun to watch games. Yep. highlights that he's put out of him playing against NBA stars like James Harden and Stephen Curry, scoring on those guys. He he played 32 games in the league. No, this Kyle Collinsworth maximized, maximized his abilities in an amazing way. And he still is. He still is. If you want to get in shape, if you want some ideas, he's got great stuff. Charles Abuo doing that as well online. Pretty cool. So, yeah, Kyle Collinsworth gets our honorable mention. All right. Best to wear at number five. Speaking of number fives. Coming up top five Tuesday. Yes. And Shaylee Gonzalez of BYU Women's Basketball. She just surpassed 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. It's pretty good. She goes viral on a regular basis, but she's got her eyes on bigger things as a basketball player as BYU Sports Nation. We can't keep up with her, man. She's too good. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, the official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Join us May 8th as we chronicle the 17-1 top-ranked BYU men's volleyball team in 2020 that was cut short of the season due to COVID-19. It's unfinished business. May 8th, noon Eastern on BYU TV and BYU Radio. Welcome back to the show. We've been discussing with our question of the day, who is your starting five for BYU men's basketball in 2020-2021? It's pretty clear that Matt Harms is going to be a guy that sees a lot of time as a Purdue graduate transfer Who's going to be the other big man with him? Is it Richard Harward or the curious case of Gavin Baxter? Gavin Baxter is the most athletic player on the team, hands down. So um, his role isn't to back to the back basket score per se. Traditionally, maybe he develops that in the offseason. I don't know. He he is a an elite rebounder and an elite defender, and then out in transition, he can throw it down. I'm interested to see what BYU does with Gavin because I wouldn't be surprised if he comes off the bench, but. He's uber-talented. I think BYU's got some quality big men. Um, let, let's talk about this. How many first-team all-conference guys does BYU have on this roster right now? I'd say three. Woo! That's a lot. That's, that'd be, that'd be awesome, point, man. At some oh, point. Oh, at some point. I'm talking, no, next year. Next year? Probably two. Who? Matt Harms and Alex Barcelo. That'd be nice. That'd be good. I hope that Connor Harding makes the jump to, like, second-team all-league kind of guy and then first-team all-league senior year. Yeah, that's what I meant by the third. I think Connor Harding, oh, okay. by the time he's done, will be yeah. an all-league performer. Because right now, you look at it and go, okay, that'd be nice if Alex Barcelo was first-team all-league. Gonzaga's undoubtedly going to put three on it. St. Mary's will put two on it. This is what they do every year, right? And then there's five other spots because there's ten. Uh, if BYU is going to be a tournament team, they're going to need at least two. BYU's had NIT teams, NIT one-and-done teams, where they had two. So you'd think if BYU is going to be any kind of quality, and I think they will be, they'll have at least two. So who are the guys is the question. Will, will uh, Richard Harward be this dominating force in the post where he's scoring a ton and rebounding and blocking shots? The word from practice all of last year from Mark Pope was that Richard Harward was just just – banging guys to death in terms of his physical ability and uh he was beating Colby Lee up at yes, times. And right? the coaches say that they, they largely credit Richard Harward for making Colby Lee a much better player and making him a tougher player in the post. You almost feel bad for Colby Lee. Because this year, Yoli Childs is suspended, more Colby Lee. Gavin Baxter is injured, he's out. Richard Harward's sitting out. Um Colby Lee got a lot of run. 
I don't think he's going to play even close to the amount of minutes that he played this last year. But that's not because he doesn't deserve it. That's just because of the roster makeup. Yet, a season evolves, people get injured, and things change. And maybe he plays a bunch more. But right now, I would say he's kind of the fourth big man. You're not bringing in Matt Harms to not play. You, Richard Harward is going to play. Gavin Baxter's crazy athletic. Colby Lee is on everything. He's on the right thing from last year to right now. It's a preferred complication to have with a wealth of big men that can play. And uh, the coaching staff is built to develop those type of guys with Chris Burgess and Mark Pope. Um, I saw this lineup proposed uh, along with Matt Harms and Richard Harward, Wyatt Lowell as the three, Connor Harding as the two, and Alex Barcelo as the point guard. Is is that feasible? Is, is a lineup like that feasible? Because I like Lowell as a shooter, but I just feel like you need to have more than two ball handlers on the floor. Maybe he is a ball handler. I, I don't know that he isn't. I, I've seen it. We've yeah. seen a handful of, I mean, in the NBA, that ain't no thing, right? Um, yeah, there's a little heightism there on our part. Oh, he's tall, so he can't handle the ball. I don't know. Like, maybe, maybe he can. Gideon George, uh, Spencer Johnson from Salt Lake Community College. Hunter Erickson off of a mission from Timphia. Like, we'll, we'll see what we get with that. Um, I'm excited because I think we're most excited in this idea, that this staff can develop players better than we think they'll become. Because a lot of times what we, what we say and do on this show is evaluate what we think we know, of course, right? But the coaching staff is putting these guys in a position to do more than they ever could. Did we think Colby Lee could be remotely close to what he was this last year? No! We had seen very little. It's like, well, we'll see what we get from him, and uh, we go from there. At Hiram Flake on Facebook says, Baxter, <laughs> uh, Harward, I believe, uh, Alex he said Barcelos, Harden. Harden. I don't think Harding. James Harden, Harding, Harding will be playing here. Alex Barcelo, Harms, and the Yoli Childs clone I've been working on in my basement. Oh, nice. Uh, probably illegal. Let's go, man. Yeah, and jo- unethical. Joining us now via the Deseret First Credit Union hotline is a young lady that has just passed 100,000 subscribers on her YouTube channel, Shaylee Gonzalez. Shaylee, how do you handle that type of following? Um, You know, I just I love having all the support and love from everyone and um it's been crazy the past couple weeks being being blown up and it's a lot to take in but it's also really fun okay i want to talk about those videos in a moment but the ncaa passed the rules where they're going to let athletes make money off their likeness do you expect to be rich soon (laughs) (laughs) um i wouldn't say rich but it's gonna be nice having that extra money once they implement some rules for us to do yeah, it's certainly complication as to, okay, how do you make money off of that? But you're certainly in position to do so, whether it's just you getting your brand out there and making money. That's awesome. So walk us through some of these. Uh, essentially, it's, it's basketball dribbling, sync-ups. I don't know how to describe it perfectly. That shows how old am I, uh, I am. But you've gone viral several times. It's been awesome. Yeah, so on TikTok... Um, actually the first viral video that went, um, crazy was the one with my team and we had Sarah Hampson dunk it at the end. And then, um, I did a dribbling one with my brother and that one went viral. And I guess people just love seeing those basketball dribbling videos and then some dance videos and people love those. So who choreographs all of those? Is that you entirely? Um, some of them I get ideas from other people and then I credit them and then some I just make up. So 
Are you are you better on social media or as a basketball player? <laughs> uh, basketball. I love basketball way more. <laughs> social media is just for fun. I love doing it though. I love that you've combined those two, and you did this before you even came to BYU. So, wh- wh- like, what were the influences for you to want to uh, document your life in this way? Yeah. Um, so, so high school, I wasn't very big, um, but I would just I watch YouTube videos of other college athletes, and I'm I was just sitting there watching them and being like, wow, like I want to do that. Like it's so cool. And I knew I was creative like that and loved making videos. And I never thought that I would hit a hundred thousand subscribers like that never like crossed my mind. Um, but it's just crazy to think that has happened, but yeah, just, um, getting inspiration from other athletes really helped and just sparked my interest in it. Well, your journey has been intriguing because you're coming off reconstructive surgery uh, on your ACL a little over nine months ago. Um, and I'm sure that a lot of people that are dealing with injuries and athletes are, are kind of grasping onto that. So what kind of feedback have you received have you, as you've chronicled that difficult journey back to full playing health? Mm-hmm. Um, I've been having so much support from all those people. Um, a lot of people are really inspired by it. Um, I get DMs from a lot of people saying, like, you've helped me through my process. And that was my whole point was to um, just show that, like, even if something really bad happens to you, even if you get injured as an athlete, that you can get back to 100% and to kill it again. Like, there's no reason to just give up on yourself. You need to keep going and stay strong. So we were just talking yeah, just about inspiring other people. Absolutely. We were just talking about Kyle Collinsworth. He tore his ACL in the uh, West coast conference championship game one year. And then the next year came back and he was the triple double King and played in the NBA. I mean, <laughs> th- it can absolutely happen. Tyson Williams. We just saw it uh, tore his ACL in football. Mm-hmm. And now he just signed with the Ravens. So you'll be the next in line. Uh, do you feel like you're <laughs> going you. to be absolutely a different player at all? Or will you be very similar? For sure, I feel like definitely sitting out a year and watching, like being on a different like perspective. I was sitting watching my team. I understand the game like in a different way, I guess you can say. Um, and also just knowing more of what my coaches want, being able to sit by them was pretty cool. And just to get their feedback and understand where they're coming from. Um, but yeah, I will definitely like... Once your sport is taken away from you, you are definitely not going to take advantage of it again. And I'm going to make sure that every single practice, every single game, I play like it's my last because you never know what's going to happen. You had an unbelievable freshman year. You're the West Coast Conference Freshman of the Year. You helped BYU get to the second round of the NCAA tournament. You performed really well on the road in that game against Stanford that ultimately you bow out in. What was it, 31, 32 or something? Yeah, you go 30-plus. Yeah. Uh, and, and then hopes are really high coming back. You obviously tear the ACL. So um, what's your mind like in terms of uh, expectations for your team as you come back for a long-awaited sophomore season? I have such high expectations and goals to reach. Um, just looking at my freshman season I and then being so devastated and heartbroken when I tore my ACL, um, I've had so many goals set, and I know that like we can reach them, and I want to have a better freshman or better season this year than I did my freshman year. And so I'm looking forward to it. I cannot wait for season to start. 
and to I'm, play with my team again. I'm excited for the season as well. Obviously, Paisley Johnson, uh, Harding, we'll see if she goes with the dash or just straight up last <laughs> name. Sarah Hampson. This is a really quality team, which is going to be really fun to watch. Um, what, do you, what do you expect from this group in terms of what you learned with kind of the disappointment of how this season went, uh, yet you return a lot of uh, tremendous players? Um, watching them, like I said, I got a different perspective and I think I got to learn more of what each individual teammate is good at. So now I can, um, know how to handle that and how to be a good point guard and how to get my team open. And, um, we are so deep and we have so many girls who can do so many things and we have new girls coming in and, um, we're going to be really stacked this season. I can't wait. It's going to be fun. Shaylee, we'll finish with this. When do you expect to be 100% ready to go? Um, you know, right now it's hard because I'm not getting that five-on-five scrimmaging right now. So physically and, like, my knee, it's, like, 100% strong and ready to go. I just need to get on that core and get some up and down. So once that happens, then I'll be full confident. Hey, in the meantime, strengthen that knee with TikTok videos and uh, more YouTube <laughs> awesomeness. And if you want to see more, just Google Shaylee Gonzalez. It's that simple, right? Yep. Thank you for having me, guys. You got it, Shaylee. Stay safe, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you. Shaylee Gonzalez on the Deseret First Credit Union hotline via Skype. Deseret First, you know why we show how. 100%, 100,000 followers. I mean, listen, of the the BYU athletes that don't play football or men's basketball, that are going to cash in in some way. She's the star. She's the one. They still have to figure out the rules around that. Uh, but it's going to be fun, especially for her checking account later. <laughs> Coming up, who gets the coveted rising shadow? And Top 5 Tuesday featuring the top five plays from the BYU three recent NFL signees. This is BYU Sports Nation. This segment of BYU Sports Nation presented by Delta Airlines. Keep climbing. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, show available anytime on demand via the BYU TV and BYU radio apps. It is time for Top 5 Tuesday, presented by a company we just told you about, Delta Keep Climbing. BYU had three players sign NFL deals over the weekend. Dying Gonwoloku with the LA Rams, Aleva Hipo with Andy Reid's Kansas City Chiefs, and our first guest today, Tyson Williams, who signed with the Baltimore Ravens. Our Top 5 Tuesday features the best plays of the year from that trio. Let's go. Number five, Aleva Hifo kicks things off. Liberty, third quarter. Hifo catches a bubble screen from your boy Baylor Romney, Mormon Colony shout-out. And the rest is history. That 4-4-1-40 on display for a 41-yard touchdown. He did cut it up like he was scoring a rugby try, and he wanted to dot it down closer to the post for the conversion, which was interesting. But uh, this was an independent battle that BYU came out on top. <laughs> At number four, Diane Gonwoloku, Northridge High School, Leighton, Utah, represent primarily known at BYU for his defensive prowess. But hey, this play shows he can score on offense too. First quarter against USC, the scrum package. Diane running behind Kyra's Tonga scores behind the big man for his first and only rushing touchdown of the season. Number three, early in the second half against Toledo, Zach Wilson connects with Aleva Hifo for a 75-yard touchdown. Most of the work done by Aleva. Longest TD play of the year for BYU. Just another showcase of his big playability. He did this against Western Michigan in the famous Idaho Potato Bowl as well the year before. 111 yards and two touchdowns in that game for Aleva Hifo. Whoop! At number two. Oh, he's so shifty. 
In his short BYU career, one play stands out above the rest for Tyson Williams. His double overtime walk-off winner at Rocky Top against Tennessee behind his entire offensive line. Tyson sealing his BYU legacy, really, with this performance and that run. A fantastic return to Rocky Top for the SEC transfer. Pretty cool, man. All of Cougar Nation was pushing as well. And the top play in the BYUSN Best Play Bracket Championship ultimately fell short on the list, uh, but stands above the rest. Diane Gonwoliku intercepts Keaton Slovis in overtime on a diving effort. Chaz Ayu tipped the ball up, and BYU beats USC. It was reviewed, and Diane Gonwoliku comes up with a pick. And the students stormed the field Oh, uh, yes, the masses. Yeah, it was, it was a fun day. That was a great play by Diane Gawalka. Our question of the day, who are you hoping that uh, the students rush the masses on in terms of BYU basketball in their starting five in 2020, 2021? Well, there's no Twitter polls to rush at now. Elite Voice of the Day presented by Sundance Mountain Resort from at Gibbs 19 on Twitter. Tall. I'll go with Barcelo, Harding, Lowell, Baxter, and Harms with lots of minutes from Harward. Lee, Wade, and Nell off the bench. Yeah, I I think this is a potentially really deep team for BYU, which is exciting. So it might not matter who's in the starting five as much. Okay, today's Rise of Shoutouts. Mine goes to Austin Lee. I'm surprised he didn't sign with the team. It's not his choice, of course, but I thought he put up good numbers. PFF had him as a quality safety last year. I don't understand why Austin Lee doesn't have a free agent contract. Now, there's no rookie or mini camps, it would appear, and perhaps he would have been at least invited to that. So maybe that's why, but I'm surprised by this. Yeah, Micah Simon kind of in that same scenario. Exactly. All right, my Rise shout-out goes to the Twitter brains that produced uh, draft graphics for Marvel superheroes. ESPN kind of did these graphics that went through some dramatic moments that these players had gone through. Bruce Wayne's is, hey, high IQ and work ethic, trained by ninjas on a mountain somewhere. And then the uh, controversial thing is, saw his parents murdered in cold blood. Yeah, well, ESPN uh, decided they'd emphasize that part of everybody. (laughs) I thought that was kind of weird, man. It was weird. Pretty hilarious that they did that with Marvel superheroes. Our thanks to today's guest, Tyson Williams and Shaylee Gonzalez. Started Dennis. Bye. For Jeremy. I am Spencer. Shout out to Garrett 2J. We'll see you for BYU Sports Nation tomorrow. Go Cougs. Who'd you gooey?